Welcome to the Unity Baptist Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. In this episode, we have Doug Williams with us. Doug serves on the mission and mobilization team with the Kentucky Baptist Convention. He is part of a team that is committed to equipping and encouraging believers in Christ and local churches to put their faith into action within their communities and beyond. He works with churches by providing vision trips to key cities in North America with the North American Mission Board and key locations globally with the International Mission Board in order to develop mission partnerships between the local church and missionary on the field. If you would like to learn more about mission strategies or mission partnerships, hit the show notes for Doug's contact information. If you're in the Ashland Tri-State area, we would love to see you. More information on how you can connect with us at Unity will follow today's talk. Here's Doug with today's message. Oh, now I know y'all can do better than that. Good morning. Oh, it is great to see you this morning. Uh, My name is Doug Williams, and I serve as one of the mission strategists for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. And so I want to thank Pastor Heath for the invite to be here with you today. It is always a great thing to visit your grandchildren. Uh, I am a grandfather of two, uh, one that will be three later this month and one that is um, a few months shy of being two. And so it's full blast and full speed with them. And uh, grandparenting is great. I I wish some of y'all that are grandparents would have told me how great it is. Uh, I'd have just skipped right over parenting and gone to grandparenting if I could have, but you can't do that. So um, grateful for Pastor Heath and his family to be able to uh, celebrate the birth of their grandchild. And I'm grateful to be with you today. I'm grateful for Unity Baptist Church and your partnership in the gospel. We, we serve together as Kentucky Baptists, and we do that because of churches like Unity Baptist, as you give sacrificially through the cooperative program so that we can do missions throughout Kentucky, throughout North America, and the world. So thank you for your faithful service and how you are reaching this community and how you're reaching into the nation's Uh, for the glory of God. I wanna invite you to take your copy of God's word and turn to the gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. I want us to think about this thought today, our caring father, our caring father. We find that in Luke chapter 11. If you're able to, and if you would, would you join me in standing as we honor the reading of God's word from Luke chapter 11. 11, beginning in, uh, we're going to focus beginning in verse 5, but I want to back up to verse 1. You're familiar with this prayer of our Lord in Luke 11, verse 1. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, Luke writes these words for us. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as you also taught Uh, as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also uh, forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then verse five, where we're focused today. Then he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend and he goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves 
For a friend of mine has come to me on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, Do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and he will give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 10. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege you've given us this morning to sing your praise, to hear your word read, <clears throat> to give, and to now sit before your word. We pray that you would give us focused hearts, that as we worship you through the preaching of your word, that you would be glorified, and Lord, for, through your spirit and your word, you would speak into our hearts and transform us more into the image of Christ, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, may be seated. Luke records multiple conversations with the disciples over the last few chapters in the gospel of Luke. In chapter 10, he sends out the 70 to go about proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. The disciples come back and they rejoice that even the demons are subject to them. And you remember what Jesus says? He says, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Well, from there, we see familiar stories of the good Samaritan. Uh, Jesus tells that all too familiar story to us and he talks about how we should go and do likewise. And then we have the incident at the end of chapter 10 with Mary and Martha as they come before Jesus and Mary who is seated at Jesus' feet listening to his word but Martha is bothered that her sister is sitting at Jesus' feet and all of this has been going on in the Gospel of Luke and we come to chapter 11 where Jesus teaches his disciples about prayer. And then he tells a story about prayer. You see, it's not by accident that Jesus teaches on prayer in verses one through four and then shares a parable about prayer that ultimately teaches us that God delights to answer the prayers of his children. Here's the reality. We often feel as if our prayers go unanswered or that God might not be concerned with our prayers. Don't raise your hand, but certainly you feel that you've been there. After teaching us to pray, Luke records that Jesus's teaching on persistent prayer is a teaching that helps us understand that our God is a caring and loving father. So what's the point that Luke is trying to make in our passage this morning? It's this. You and I are to keep praying and trusting in our Father's loving care for us. We're to keep, keep praying and keep 
trusting wherever you find yourself today. Keep praying and keep trusting because your father loves you and cares deeply for you. Why? Why should we do this? Well, look at verses five through eight again. He tells this parable about a friend coming late at night to borrow bread from a neighbor. Why should we keep praying and trusting in our Father's loving care for us? Because our Father is not like an uncaring friend. Jesus' parable contrasts the Father's loving care of his children with the reluctant care of a supposed friend. Hospitality in the Near East was, as one author put it, a sacred duty. Lodging and food would be graciously and willingly given to a stranger, but particularly a friend. Still today, in most cultures, hospitality is taken with utmost care and intentionality. If you travel throughout the world, you'll find that most cultures are very hospitable, even to strangers, inviting them in and making sure that they feel cared for. In our story, a man goes to his friend late at night and he asks for three loaves of bread for guests that have just showed up at his house. Even though he would have been extremely embarrassed to approach his friend, his neighbor, at such a late hour, the need and the urgency of the need brings him to his friend to ask for this bread. Likely, the home is a one-room home. Everyone is likely asleep in the same room when this neighbor comes. And he knocks on the door and he asks his friend for bread. The door of homes in this culture would have been open in the morning and they would remain open throughout the day as people would come in and out and hospitality would be shown to everyone who comes around. But at night, the door is shut, which means don't bother us, don't come in, we're asleep. And yet this neighbor comes and he knocks on the door asking for bread. You ever have one of those kinds of neighbors or those kinds of friends that show up even when you don't really want them to show up? Privacy was not valued like it is in our day. In our day, we're accustomed to coming home from work, opening the garage door, driving in and shutting the garage door and not speaking to any of our neighbors. Yet in this culture, it was the total opposite. You would interact and engage all throughout the day. His friend's answer is clear. Don't bother me because our door is shut. And what does he say? The kids are asleep. You know what that's like, parents. Never, ever do anything that might wake a sleeping baby. You finally get the baby down and you tiptoe in and gradually and graciously and quietly lay the baby in the bed and then you hear it and you freeze. And then you start making your way out and you stop again. Oh! Why? Because you're afraid you're going to wake the baby. And nobody wants to wake a sleeping baby. And yet the neighbor uses that as an excuse. Don't knock on the door. The kids are asleep. Their friendship is not enough 
to prod him to get up, open the door, and lend him some bread. The neighbor finally gets up, though, and he helps his friend. Look at verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So he finally gets up and he answers his friend's request. Why? Don't miss this. Because of his persistence. This word persistence means shameless Or it's the idea of avoiding shame. In other words, because the friend was willing to humble himself and ask late at night for bread from his friend to take care of guests that just showed up at his house, the neighbor finally gets up and he helps his friend. I'm reading out of the New American Standard Translation, and it translates the word as persistence, and I think that really is the idea of the context of this passage. He's persistent. He keeps asking over and over, hey, I know it's late. I know your kids are asleep, but could you lend me some bread? Go away. The door is shut. The kids are asleep. I know that, but could you, could you help me out? I've got some guests that have just shown up. I know your kids are asleep, but could you help me out? Over and over, he's persistently asking. The friend is willing to give him what he needs because of his persistence. In a very real sense, the friend is shamelessly asking for his neighbor's help. And he receives this request because of his continual asking. Track with me. Because there's a point to the message that Jesus is giving his disciples. Verse 8 makes it clear that the neighbor helps his friend because his friend is over the fact that he keeps asking. He helps his friend not because he wants to help his friend late at night, but because his friend won't stop asking. As we think on prayer... We know that our father is not like an uncaring friend whom we ask for help, but he refuses to help us until he's over being bothered by us because it's so late at night. My friend, our father is not like that. Rather, our father is much, much different in his care for us. As we go to our father in prayer, And as we seemingly pray with no forthcoming answer, and some of you sit here right now and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed about particular needs or certain situations in your life, and you're just wondering, are you bothering the Father with your prayers? Because they don't seem to be answered. He doesn't seem to be answering those prayers. So as we go to the Father in prayer with no seemingly soon coming answer, we know that he is not bothered by us, nor is he uncaring toward us. You see, Jesus is contrasting the attitude of a supposed friend and the attitude of God toward your requests. Yet, in contrast, our father is not like the neighbor who is bothered by his friend and yet eventually will cave into the request. God does not treat us like the friend who calls and you look at your phone and you say, oh no, it's Doug. Some of y'all are acting like you've never done that. My friend, hear me. God never looks at a call from you and says, oh no. 
Think about that. He is not bothered when you call. He is not bothered when you cry out. How is our father different? Hear me, my friend. He loves when you call. So we're to keep praying and keep trusting in our father's loving care for us. Why? Well, first of all, because our father is not like an uncaring friend. But secondly, because our father delights to give good gifts when his children ask. Our father delights to give good gifts when his children ask. In verses 9 and 10, he says this again. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Our Father delights in our persistent prayers. Your persistent prayer does not bother him. He is not turned off by your persistence. He welcomes it. In light of the parable Jesus shared, he says, learn these lessons. What are the lessons that Jesus is teaching his disciples and thus teaching us about prayer and our caring father? Keep praying, my friend, and don't give up. One pastor shares three lessons about prevailing in prayer that I think are helpful. First of all, he says this, the tense of the verb is continuous, meaning keep asking, Don't stop asking. Just when you think you've asked enough, keep on asking. Second, Jesus commands this continuous action three times and repeats it again in verse 10. What's the point? Don't miss the repetition. All of us, you've used repetition for emphasis. And Jesus is doing the same here. He's repeating for emphasis. Everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then third, the three words used get increasingly closer to the answer. It's it's the idea of a pressing in on God. Keep asking until you receive it. Keep seeking until you find it. Keep knocking until it's open. This pastor goes on to say, and I quote, asking is the simplest and it requires no movement. Seeking turns asking into activity of pursuit. Knocking on and on at the door again and again signifies utter earnestness and perhaps even desperation. So the cry we have to ask is, are we desperate? Are we on and on before God, crying out to him, believing that he loves to hear our prayers? You see, Jesus is calling us to keep on knocking, to prevail in prayer. And by way of emphasis, in verse 10, he repeats it again. Verse 9 and 10 is repetition for a reason. In case we would confuse or distort this persistent praying for any and everything, we must not forget the context. Jesus is not saying, nor should we believe that he's saying, whatever you want, just ask for it, and he'll roll it out on the red carpet. That's not what Jesus is saying. And the context makes that clear. The story is of a friend in need, not necessarily of a friend in want. There's a difference. The friend's request is need-based, not comfort-based. Now, that's not to say 
that Jesus does not give us comforts. All of us in this room have many comforts. You sit on a comfortable seat in a comfortable room wearing comfortable clothes. We could go on and on. Rather, it is to say that the focus on this passage is on our persistent prayer to the Father for our needs. That's what Jesus loves to meet, our needs. In other words, this is not justification for name it and claim it, as some would like to use it. Jesus now explains why we can be confident that our Father will give our persistent requests. So why will the Father give our persistent requests? Why will the Father answer these concerns? Because our Father always gives, gives good gifts to his children. Verses 11 through 13. He always gives good gifts to his children. Now suppose one of you fathers, in verse 11, is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Here is the shock of the story. While some friends help because they're bothered into helping, our Father is not like that. What father in his right mind would not give what is best for his children? None. That's the point Jesus is making. A good father, a loving father, will not give to his children what is bad for his children. He will always give what is good for his children. He delights to give good gifts to his children. Why? Because our father cares deeply for us. Whether your experience with an earthly father has been good or whether it is filled with sorrow, we all have a father in heaven who cares deeply for us and promises to care for us in our time of need. And Jesus wants us to understand the loving care of our heavenly father for us. Here's why Jesus sometimes does not answer our requests. Because praying to the Father doesn't mean that he's going to answer the requests the way in which we expect or even in the way in which we ask. He says, Father, suppose your son asks for a fish. You will not give him a snake, will you? Or if he asks for an egg, you will not give him a scorpion, will you? I'll never forget, several years ago, my wife and I were, were fairly newly married. It was before we had children. We've been married 27 years. And so we, we were uh, in, in the Smoky Mountains, staying in a cabin. I'll never forget. And I remember uh, early that morning, I, I, I'm, I'm woke up by the scream of my wife. Ah! And I jump out of bed. What is it? Something bit me. I'm thinking it's a snake. I wasn't sure what it was. And so it, I, I pull back the covers and it was a scorpion. And I took off running out of the room. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I wanted to do that. But I, I, there was a, a, a scorpion there and I scooped up the scorpion with a, a sheet. And I went to the 
toilet and I flushed the scorpion down the drain. Now, what I didn't know at the time that I'm thankful wasn't the case, I wasn't sure whether it was a poisonous scorpion or like just uh, a hurt you, sting you scorpion, but that's the extent of it. Thankfully, it wasn't poisonous, and to my knowledge, there aren't any poisonous scorpions, but it hurt. What father would love his child so much that instead of giving that child a fish or an egg would give that child a snake or a scorpion? Well, the answer is obvious, and that's the point that Jesus is making. No father in his right mind would do that. In other words, sometimes our prevailing with delayed answers is because our father is preparing to give us a fish and not a snake. Or he's preparing to give us an egg and not a scorpion. He's planning to give good gifts. Sometimes those good gifts are in the form of not answering our request. Or even sometimes in delaying the answer to that request for the right timing. We can rest assured, though, as Jesus is teaching his disciples, that the Father knows what we need, hear this, friends, before we even ask. He knows what is best for us. He knows what you need better than you know what you need. And that ought to bring us comfort, my friends, that he loves you so, so much that he is working behind the scenes in so many ways that you can't fathom. Even right now, as we sit in this place worshiping him, he's simultaneously working in 10,000 ways for your life and for your good. We can rest assured that the Father knows what we need. We can trust in our caring Father who loves us and will always do what is best for us. In fact, verses 9 and 10 already told us that he will answer us. He says it this way. It is a certainty. It will be open. You will receive. The Father will do what is best for us. Even in times where we don't always see it. We have to trust his heart when we can't fully trace the movement of his hands. My wife, Kathy, and I began the adoption process for our youngest child. When we first began that process, we were told it would be 18 to 24 months from start to finish. When we finished our process, of adopting our daughter, it took four and a half years. God drove us to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep seeking and to keep knocking. There were times when we wondered if it would ever happen. Days when we were beyond discouraged. In fact, about two years in, as we were in the process with Ethiopia, the program nearly shut down. Our adoption agency even gave us the option to change countries because it looked like the country of Ethiopia was gonna just shut down completely and we would not be able to adopt our daughter from Ethiopia. But Kathy and I prayed more. 
And we sensed that God was leading us to stay put, to remain right where we were at, trusting him to navigate and work through all of those details. You see, what we didn't know at the time during all of these frustrations and all of these delays, hear me, what we didn't know at the time that we know now is our daughter wasn't even born yet. When she was born, it would take an additional two more years before she was ever available to be adopted. It was not until we were placed on a waiting list that she was actually cleared by the government and deemed adoptable so that we would be ready to be connected with her. While we saw the process as a frustration many, many times and we wondered what God was up to, he was at work in ways we had no clue. So Jesus calls us to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking because he has good gifts and he delights to give those gifts to his children. Verse 13 closes out this section with an assurance and somewhat of a a surprise. Verse 13 again says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Our assurance is that as caring as a sinful earthly father can be, our heavenly Father is so much more caring and so much more loving. A surprising twist is perhaps the request that we see in verse 13. The mentioning of giving the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's a surprise to us. We say, well, where did that come from? Why is that mentioned in this particular passage? But it shouldn't be a surprise after all. Luke places much emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Gospel of Luke and throughout the book of Acts. In fact, in Luke chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, Jesus is baptized and the, Holy, and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Luke says, full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus goes into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In Luke chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus begins his public ministry in the power of the Holy Spirit. After an extended period in prayer, in Acts chapter 1 and 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon those early believers on the day of Pentecost, and they go out of that upper room and they preach the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4, the church gathers and prays after being threatened by the religious leaders not to speak the name of Jesus ever again. The church is persistent in their prayer and they're filled with the Holy Spirit and the place where they gathered to pray, Luke says in Acts chapter four was physically shaken. They went out in the power of the Holy Spirit proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the persistent prayers of the people of God are vital for the feeling and power of God's people by God's Spirit. My friends, there is no shortcut. There's no magic formula, no quick fix, no pill 
It is the persistent praying of the people of God being filled by the Spirit of God in order to have the power of God. As believers on this side of Pentecost, we've been given the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ, when we cry out to him, turning from our sins and believing that Jesus, in fact, is the sinless Son of God. Savior and Lord, when we confess that and believe on him, we receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live within every believer. And Jesus' assurance and promise is for the filling and the power of the Spirit in our lives right now. What we need most, what we need more than our daily needs, as much as we do need daily needs, but what we need most is the filling and the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. This life that we live is not meant to live in our own power and in our own strength. My friends, it is getting increasingly more and more difficult to live in this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you and I will not be able to do this with any kind of quote-unquote success outside of the filling of the Spirit of God in the lives of the people of God. So, our prevailing in prayer. What is our prevailing in prayer and the, the giving of the Holy Spirit at the end of this passage? Our prevailing in prayer is our humble attempt to come to God. Doing what? Asking and seeking and knocking saying not only do we need you for our daily needs, God, but we need your Spirit's filling to empower us to live out our pursuit of you. To close this section with Jesus calling us to ask for the giving of the Holy Spirit and the promise that the Father certainly will give his Spirit is to teach us that our greatest need and our greatest pursuit is God himself. Brothers and sisters, what this city needs most is God. What this church needs most is God. What your family members and your neighbors and those in your school and your workplace need most is God. Where is the longing and the pursuing? Where is the, with the psalmist, the deer panting for the water brooks? So my soul pants for you, O God. Where is that kind of longing? That's what Jesus is calling these disciples to. He's saying when you long for God this way, you, my friend, will be filled with his spirit. Brothers and sisters, what this church needs most is not more people, not more programs, not more possessions. What this church needs most is God himself. Whatever your need is today, friend, our Father hears you, and he is at work in 10,000 ways that you right now may not see, and you might have come here today, and you're wondering, God, are you even hearing my prayer? God, do you even care what my needs are? I want you to rest assured today that in your persistent praying, our God will answer, and he promises to give good gifts to his children. Why? My friend, he loves you. 
He may not answer as we ask, nor when we ask, but he is always on time and he's always answering what is best for us because he's an on-time God, as one song says it. Ultimately, he gives us his spirit to fill us and to guide us, to empower us to live our lives in pursuit of him every single day. Wherever you find yourself today, don't stop asking your father. Right now, some of you are thinking of specific situations and specific needs. My friend, don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. Oh, my friend, don't stop knocking. Why? Because our Father loves when you call. And he loves to shower his children with good gifts. So don't quit. He knows your need and he delights to answer your prayers. Oh, how he loves you. And oh, how he desperately cares for you. My daughter that I mentioned earlier is now nine. She's been home for seven years. Every night when I put her to bed, I have to sing the same song that I began singing to her in Ethiopia. Every night. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. He is strong. But oh, little girl, let your ears hear this. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And your caring father loved you so much that he sent his son to give his life on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven and so that you might have a relationship with God through his son. Oh, my friends, our caring father cares for you that much. Let's pray. As we bow our heads to pray in just a moment, there's no doubt in a room such as this, varying needs in each of your lives. Some of you've come here with big burdens. And my encouragement to you today would be continue praying. Continue persistent prayer to your father about those needs because he loves you and he cares deeply for you and wants to give good gifts to you. Maybe that's just what you want to pray about today in just a moment or throughout this week. Maybe you're here today and you realize for the first time that God loves you so much that he gave his son to die on the cross to pay the debt you could never pay for your own sin so that in the death of his son and the resurrection from the grave of his son, you believing in his son Jesus and turning away from your sin would give you life 
There'll be counselors here this morning that would love to pray with you or talk to you if you have questions about what it means to follow Jesus. But please hear me today, church. Your father loves you and he cares about you deeply. Father, we thank you for your word, how your word reminds us of your great love for us, that you care for us and that you at any and all costs, ultimately the cost of your son, sent him to die on a cross, be buried in a tomb and raised on the third day so that anyone that would turn from their sins and believe in him would be forgiven and have life forever. For anyone here today that has never embraced that truth as their own, that has never cried out to Jesus as Lord and Savior, would you, by your grace, open their eyes and their heart that they might cry out to you for forgiveness and call on you as Lord and Savior? For the many believers, no doubt in this room, we pray that we might be encouraged that you love us and that you're at work in so many ways that we can't even see so that you call us to keep praying, to be persistent in prayer, trusting that you love to hear us call out to you in prayer and you love to give us good gifts. Oh God, give us great confidence in that for your glory. For our good, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us here at Unity, we would like to thank you for spending time with us today. If you would like to know how to surrender your life to Christ, or if you'd like to share a response, visit us at www.unitybaptistashland.com. We would love the opportunity to help you in your next steps. You can also connect with us on Facebook at UBC Ashland. If you like what we're doing, don't forget to like and subscribe and share our podcast. Until next time, may we do as Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments.